0: Welcome to Let's Connect. My name is Keith McPherson and I'm here to connect you with some of the world's greatest thought leaders, artists, musicians, authors, people that are truly making a difference on the planet. Today on the podcast, I'm joined in a small cubby hole in Toronto by my friend, Nancy Silverman. I first met Nancy while I was on Canadian Idol as a finalist back in 2006. Nancy and I both were on the show and we are reminiscing this week about all of our experiences and learnings and all the stuff that's happened since Canadian Idol. I'm really, really excited to introduce you to her and her amazing perspectives on life. So sit back, relax, and let's connect. Hey everyone, welcome to the podcast this week. I'm really excited about this episode because I get to introduce you to somebody who I've known for quite a while now, since... 2006, Nancy Silverman has been somebody that I continually follow online and occasionally run into in random places like a yoga studio in Toronto. And um, so I was recently in Toronto and Nancy and I sat down and we decided to connect and talk about um, our time together on this Canadian reality TV show, Canadian Idol, and what that was like for us. And in addition to that, um, we also talked a lot about our our experiences after being on the show and what's evolved since then. And one of the things I found that was so intriguing is that both of us have found this common interest in teaching and practicing uh, yoga. So if you're anything like me around this time of year, the holiday season's coming up and it is busy. There's so many extra things on our to-do lists and it's, uh, it's very rare that we pause in the middle of our busyness and check in with ourselves and just get centered in our mind and our body. And so um, today, I'm just really excited to share with you some of the wisdom that the conversation stirred up with Nancy, just around yoga and the power that that can bring at this time of year to bring us into more balance. Before we get into the conversation with Nancy, I wanted to remind you that there's a week left. If you're listening to this in December 2018, there's one week left um, where I'm running a special on my brand new online course called Making Sense of Mindfulness. The online course and um, basically it's uh, it's a course that I've put together that takes you through uh, the experience of mindfulness there's a bunch of online uh, tutorial videos guided audio exercises and a very extensive PDF workbook that you can interact with around the experiences that come up during the course it's um, about six hours of content this course and so just know you don't have to do it all at once you can just chip away at this in your own time but something that i've been um, thinking about is the idea that you could actually do this as just little increments uh, throughout the week just to help you stay connected to what i consider a mindfulness practice new ways of helping yourself become present in the moment with kindness Um, so yeah check it out there's a special running this week It's $129 to sign up and to have this course for the rest of your life to practice with. Um, And it's priced there on sale from $229, which is what it'll be selling for retail after this special offer. So take advantage of that at my website, keithmcpherson.ca. And I hope you'll consider joining me there for this interactive experience of bringing more mindfulness into your life. All right. Um, Let's get on to the main program today, though. Nancy Silverman, uh, get ready. This is just an incredible woman that we're about to meet, and I think you're going to enjoy the conversation. So without further ado, on Let's Connect, please meet Nancy Silverman. Well, it's been since 2006, and I'm still in the cubbyhole in the basement of Toronto today. And um, coming to you here with a friend of mine that I met back way back 2006 a very random experience for me at least i went out for the audition for canadian idol the the reality show and then all of a sudden i ran into nancy silverman and she's back today sitting here with me years later hey, Welcome. Keith. hey. Hi. <laughs> this is great to see you again yeah it's this awesome. is
1: pretty it's pretty surreal it's very cool
0: it's uh, amazing how this all happened recently because i was on a stopover going to Nashville in Toronto here um, a few weeks ago. And I was like, my neck was so out of place. So I was like, I'm going to go to the studio. This just, I had eight hours here. So I thought, I'm going to go to the yoga studio, stretch, go back to the airport and fly out. And I got to the studio, did my class, came out. And I looked, I did a double take and you were there, Nancy. Yeah. I didn't even know really that you were doing yoga and teaching yoga.
1: Yeah, yeah. So it just so happened that the yoga studio that you stumbled into is where I am almost every day. Wow. And I think my students were a bit freaked out because I saw you and like my heart stopped. Me too. And then I, I'm i pretty sure I jumped up and down and squealed and then <laughs> threw myself into your arms. <laughs> I think
0: I did too. I was like, Nancy, 2006 Canadian Idol friend. It was unbelievable.
1: I also got quite a lot of uh, questions from students about that because I Canadian Idol isn't really anything that I talk about anymore. Really? Well, it's just, it's been... What, 12 years? Since I'd like we... to talk about it today. Yeah. Yeah. No, of <laughs> course. Um, but it isn't, I mean, it isn't on the tip of my tongue. So it isn't the kind of thing I'm talking to my students about.
0: Right. So when they
1: heard you say that, they came up to me afterwards and were like, is this something we
0: can Google? <laughs> <laughs> is it is it Googleable for you? Can you find your Googleable? Is,
1: it is Googleable. Really? Yes. Embarrassingly. So there's some, per-
0: hey, can you remind me like some of the songs you sang? Because uh, I'm having some flashbacks. I sang,
1: so, so I was on three live shows three shows where you could vote yeah, for me the I solo guess. thing moments, right yes right right I and uh, I sang could I be your girl by Jan Arden oh
0: good choice
1: I sang fallen by Alicia Keys mm. I was wearing um very kind of early 2000s camouflage cargo pants for that one <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: that's awesome
1: it's yeah it's a fun one I wish mm-hmm. I still had those and uh and I sang stupid by Sarah McLaughlin.
0: wow yeah. Nice choices.
1: Thanks. I like some some angry chick singers.
0: So I want to go way back before Idol, and then we'll okay. get to the more okay. Idol talk. But um, did you like? Were you always musically inclined? Like you're an amazing singer, songwriter. How did that all come about for you?
1: Well, I I started going to an arts elementary school mm. when I was in sixth grade. Wow. But my inclination was always toward theater. I was. Um, it's funny because I was a really really shy kid. Uh-huh. And, uh, but I loved the arts. I was interested in the arts, but I, I didn't, um, feel the pull to actually perform, to be on stage, but all my friends did. So when it came time to audition for the arts elementary school, I had an interest and my friends were really into it. And so I thought, oh, well, I may as well just go to be with my friends. Wow. Cause when you're 12, that's what's important. Absolutely. And then this arts elementary school is uh, called Baythorne. It's in Thornhill, uh, Ontario it absolutely changed my life. I went from being a really shy kid, um, completely antisocial. It cracked me wide open. Suddenly I was like singing solos in the choir and I was, you know, performing in front of my peers. I had the lead in my grade eight show. Really, And, uh, and then that was the kind of springboard that led me to audition for an arts high school where I majored in drama. And it wasn't actually until... Um, grade 11 that I did the musical Crazy for You. Oh, wow. And my uh, the musical director for that musical, his name was Leon Racine. He completely changed my life because he cast me in a role that had a big solo, like one big ballsy solo. And I remember working with him one-on-one in a music room and I was singing the song really lightly in my head voice. Mm. And he, in that one lesson taught me what a belt was and he said no 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 you have to sing it from here and he kind of like put gut. his hands on my gut and we're like you have to sing it from here wow. and i i didn't even know that i could do that i had never sung that way before and I, I was 16 wow and so in that one session i belted for the first time and like it rocked my life wow and so then i i sang in that show and that was ma- what made me want to be a singer
0: that is incredible story I and love then that.
1: yeah and then i auditioned for um the musical theater program at sheridan college in know oh yeah
0: yeah i've heard of and
1: that. Uh, i studied there for three years and very very i mean a, a a nice kind of program in terms of musical theater breadth so you study your dancing and your acting and your singing but it has a very strong vocal um vocal performance elements so, amazing
0: i'm surprised yeah. that there's art schools available so this is like you're going to school you're doing are you doing any math or chemistry or is it all just arts how uh, does that work like in high school okay is this separate from high school or is this actually high school When so, you say art school i just think it's like.
1: it for me it's all one and the same because i went to an arts elementary school an arts high school and an arts college wow so but the difference is, when I was studying music theater in college, mm-hmm. I was studying only music theater.
0: Oh, okay. Whereas
1: in high school, you still had to do all of the compulsory math, science. Yeah. Right. So it was a lot. It but was it, very
0: full on. But it was arts-based. Oh, yeah. So would you have like a singing chemistry teacher that would be like, uh, <laughs> here's the equation in the musical theater?
1: <laughs> <laughs> Not quite. Okay. <laughs> um, we still took, um, you know, all of the mainstream courses with all of the other students at the school. Right. But we had... Um, like I took drama every single day. Oh, wow. Whereas other kids would take it maybe once or twice a week. Got um, it. if they chose to take an arts course, I was very immersed. Yeah. And then on top of it, we would do
0: like four shows a year and then one big musical. Amazing.
1: Um, it changed my life.
0: Wow. Yeah. It's amazing how like, and, and did you, were you put into art school originally just to like kind of, op- oh, did your parents want you to just open up and be less shy or what, what was the choice? For you them? know, what's you so know?
1: great is my parents, um, my parents never imposed anything on me. Huh. So I remember like I took piano lessons as a six-year-old and after a few weeks, I went up to my mom and I said, mom, you know, I really don't feel like I have the time to practice the way my teacher wants me to practice as a six-year-old. Wow. <laughs> and my mom said, okay, Nance, well, no problem. We can stop. Like there was no, there was no, um, you know, you hear these stories of uh, parents putting their beliefs or their desires onto their children right that didn't happen to me at all huh. and so truly how I ended up in the arts program was I probably just went to my parents one day and said my friends are auditioning for this school and I want to be with them so amazing I, can I audition and my parents were like sure
0: wow do, what, a, what, <laughs> what a gift to have parents that are just so open and allow you to do that yeah amazing yeah and I I just get this sense from you like you're you're quite intuitive I suspect and you like seem like you listen to your gut yeah yeah mm.
1: I I like to think that I follow where my arrow points.
0: Oh, I like that. Yeah, thanks. Where your arrow points. Yeah. Amazing. So you come out of high school and you've got all this arts background going on. And then what? Like, is this?
1: Well, that's when I went to Sheridan, did all of my music theater study. And by the time I finished the three-year program at Sheridan, I was only 20. I was 17 when I started college. Wow. So I was really young and uh but so looking back i was very fearless when i was younger as as i've gotten older i think i have more hesitation and more fear but i i was very fearless at the time and Uh,
0: why is that that you feel that way now that you feel more fearful now than when you were then
1: uh
0: what's changed i think
1: it probably is just attributed to the fact that now that i'm an adult and i'm you know self-sufficient and self-reliant that my mistakes have bigger consequences.
0: Oh, I see. So
1: when I was 20, even though I was I was supporting myself at the time, I knew that I was still young enough that I could like make big mistakes yeah. and just blame it on being young. <laughs>
0: right. You know? Right. And just kind of throw caution to the wind. Totally. You're, you're and that's young. exactly what I did. I get it. Yeah. Okay. So I
1: started auditioning. I got an agent and I started auditioning for any play, any musical. Mm. I did loads of really weird projects. Just, well, because when you're, when you want to be a music theater performer, there isn't a lot of work to go around. And so you'll take whatever's going.
0: Right. Well, this is an interesting mindset too, because it's very similar to um, being a musician for me my whole life, but I was a little bit into acting and I kind of inherited this belief I realized of like, it was always say yes, because you don't know when the next gig's going to come. Totally. So so it's just like, I'm just going to say yes. I'm just going to say yes. And it's kind of underneath it, it kind of feels like it is fear-based because what if there's not enough money or what if I don't make the opportunity or what if yeah. I fail? Did, did you have any of that kind of stuff going on?
1: Uh, interestingly, I was never afraid of failure mm. um, because I, I was lucky that as I was developing as a performer, I was surrounded by people who were really supportive yep. and who encouraged me to believe in my ability. I was also lucky to be cast in roles that were appropriate for me mm. where I could succeed.
0: What were some of the roles that um, you were in? You
1: know what? My my favorite, one of my favorite experiences, I worked for a year on Disney Cruise Lines.
0: You did? I did. Wow. That must have been the happiest year of your life. It's,
1: it is actually a really <laughs> incredible company to work for.
0: Really? Oh, okay. And huh.
1: and I was cast, I had two roles. I, I was Cruella Deville. Oh, wow. And I was the villain in Toy Story. Oh, wow. So I played a 12-year-old boy and I played a 60-year-old woman. (laughs) What Um, a rage. Yeah. And as it turned out, both of the roles were really appropriate for me where I I got to kind of show my best self and my best qualities. And so that injects you full of confidence, right? When you're just appropriately cast, it's a good marriage between you and the role. Yeah. And you can really shine and really come forward. Right. You know, it does happen, and it didn't really ever happen to me, but it does happen where, you know, you get cast in a role that, it doesn't really align with you. And then it's just a struggle from start to finish. Right? right?
0: Like, am I doing a good job? Is this okay? Right. Yeah. Right. Totally. Right. Well, wow, I'm really appreciating too, like your positive perspective in terms of life. It seems like there's been so many great alignments from getting the right parents to support you yeah. to getting the right roles in theater and stuff. Um, have you always had this kind of like underlying positive mindset to you? Like um, aspects to you?
1: I... I've never really thought of it in such a way, but I I guess a little bit. Yeah. Mm. I mean, I I remember as I've grown up always feeling really lucky and feeling that um I always had the best of circumstances, you know? Oh, yeah. I remember, you know, being I'd be in a choir and it would be the most wonderful choir and then the year <laughs> the year that I would graduate, yeah. the choir director would quit. Oh. And I'd think oh my gosh, I was so lucky that I had that incredible choir director, you know? And then I'd be on a soccer team and I would love my coach and I'd have the best coach and I'd play for years and years and then the year that I'd leave the team, the coach would quit.
0: What the- And I'd
1: think, oh my gosh, I was so lucky that I got that coach while they were still there. And it's felt this way my whole life. I mean, even when I was at Sheridan... I had the most incredible experience at Sheridan. Yeah. And then the year after I graduated, the director of the program left. And it, and it's it's <laughs> What's just up with that? it's just so happened that throughout my life I've just been so lucky mm. to be in the right place at the right time. Over and over and over again.
0: I'm so loving this perspective because some people would say, "Well, every time I start something, they somebody else leaves. Like it must be <laughs> me." And you're like, "Oh, I was so lucky to have that person when they were here." And exactly. What a cool mindset you have. Yeah,
1: but okay. it's I've I've always felt that way throughout my life that I've I've always kind of landed in the right place.
0: It's a good reminder for those of you that are very pessimistic to get some Nancy Silverman in you, just like <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's just positive. Like, wow, how great is it that we're here right now? This is awesome. Okay, people are. I know people are listening. And and they want to know about your Canadian adult experience. Okay. Because I talk, I still talk about mine quite a bit. I love that. Good it was, for you. For me, it was quite like a transformative time in my life. And I want to hear from you. So tell me about your, first of all, what made you audition for the show? How did that happen?
1: So it's actually a bit of an unusual story. I was at cool. Sheridan at the time. I was about to go into my third year. And one of my best buds from school um, wanted to audition, and I had a car. Uh. And the audition was a little ways away. It was like a, you know, 90-minute drive. And so he said, "Will you drive me to the to the audition?" Audition. And and I said, "Sure. Yeah, no problem." I I had no interest in auditioning and um so we drove and I waited. There was a huge queue that was like all inside but then also outside and wrapped around the building. Wow. And I waited in line with him for hours. And then we get to the door where we can finally go into the building. Yeah. And I thought to him or, or I said to him, you know, I've been with you all day. I may as well come inside. But they wouldn't let me inside unless I was a contestant. Oh really? But I had already put in hours and hours of waiting. Oh wow. So I thought, okay, I'll just get one of those numbers on and I'll just go in just so I can, you know, spend more time. Well, and just to spend time with my friend. Oh nice. You know, so so we go inside, he auditions, he gets through to the next round, I audition, I get through to the next round. And what people at home may not know is that before you get onto the live shows, there are several rounds where you sing for producers behind the scenes.
0: I remember that well. (laughs) I would say
1: maybe six or seven rounds.
0: Yeah, that's right. Anyway,
1: so we go through the first kind of three rounds together and now it's fun. Now it's a bit funny almost because I didn't even intend to audition.
0: So was your mindset at that point kind of like, ah, whatever. Was it pretty laid back? Yes, incredibly. Amazing.
1: And, And so... You know, we got through the first three rounds together and now it's this fun thing that I'm doing with my bud. Right. And and then we find out that we both got into the top 100. Oh, wow. And when you get into the top 100 that's when it gets fun because that's when they move you to a bigger venue. That's when you get to sing on like a proper stage. Right. And that's when the celebrity judges come into play um, in a a more prominent way. Right. And so now we're like taking time off school to go and be in the top 100. And then the top 45 gets announced and we both get through. Mm. And now, I mean, now I'm on national television. Right. (laughs) Now it doesn't matter if I want this because... I need to do well for my own reputation. I do, after all, want to be a singer, right? Right. So uh, he and I both get through. And then it comes time to announce the top 22. Uh, I remember that. And I got in and he didn't. Oh, wow. And that was really heartbreaking for me because oh, the- well, I can see
0: it in you right now still. The fun, That's still there.
1: Well, the fun of the experience was that I got to share it with him. And what made it equally kind of bittersweet was that he really wanted it. Yeah. And I was just there for the ride.
0: Wow. So how did you come to terms with that between you?
1: Um, oh, he was incredibly supportive. There was no rift whatsoever. Okay. Um, but now, I mean, oh. I, I've never been um, someone who ever craved fame. In fact, I remember even as a teenager, you know, talking to my parents about potentially becoming a performer and saying to them, all I want out of performing is to make enough money to survive. Mm. I have no desire to be on the cover of magazines or to you know make millions or to have international exposure and uh
0: what's what's your drive for performing?
1: Oh, I just love to sing
0: mm just the love of singing.
1: I just love to sing, yeah, and i I love that kind of um the rapport that you build with an audience, oh yeah throughout throughout a performance and and the the kind of energy exchange. That you uh, pick up from them while the performance is happening. It's really amazing.
0: It is, absolutely. I'm just having a moment here. Kate, just back up. So when you went for the auditions, uh, that long day that you stood in line, was this at the Winter Garden Theater?
1: No, no, it was in Kitchener. Oh, you because were Because we Kitchener. were going to school okay. in Oakville at the time. Okay. So Kitchener was like, I guess, an hour and a half away or
0: whatever. The reason I'm asking is, I mean, we were on the same season and our experiences are almost parallel up to now from what you're s- describing.
1: What was, happened to you?
0: Well, I went out for the audition with my bandmate Renee at the time. Yeah, it, I it love Renee. Keith and Renee, I totally
1: yeah. remember her, absolutely.
0: Okay, and so we were on tour and we were down in new york and we were driving up to toronto and renee got word that there was auditions for canadian idol and it was the last time that we could actually or i could audition because i was turning 28 at the time and i was like that's the cutoff and that's when you're no longer a rock star right so i was like okay i'm gonna <laughs> Too go old to rock <laughs> exactly i don't know if there's such a thing but so <laughs> it was the very last like i think couple hours before they were closing the doors so we didn't wait we like I, and I wasn't going to go. That was the weird thing. It was just Renee who wanted to audition. So I said, I don't think I want to do this. Like I, I'm an original songwriter. Like right. I don't want to sing cover songs. And so I, I'll come with for you, like for support. So we show up at the Winter Garden Theater and, and we would go right in there. And uh, they said, do you want to audition too while you're waiting for your friend? And I'm like, how did you know I was a singer? And they're like, well, we just kind of got the vibe or whatever. So I went in and there was like, I was like, well, this is kind of fun. Same energy. Hilarious. Just goofing around. I sang a Celine Dion song. I what did like, you sing? Cause I'm your lady. You're my man. <laughs> like I was joking. <laughs> and then all of a sudden I came out of there and Renee went to some other room and it was like, it was the weirdest feeling. And then I, we all came out uh, or I came out at the end and um, I couldn't find Renee. And I'm like, where's Renee? And so I'm, I go back to where we had parked the car and she's there and she's in tears and they, she got cut. And I was like, You got cut, like I'm like. She's awesome. I got through, and it was that was the moment for us. And she's so awesome. And I was like, I was in shock, and I was like, Look, Renee, I I can just like say forget it. I don't need to do this. And she was so great about it too. She's like, No, no, you you should do this. So it was like it was quite intense. And then, and then top 22 happened. Eventually, top 100, top 120. This is just so weird. The parallels that we have. But
1: you know what? It doesn't surprise me because where we were at the time with our own music. I mean, mm. I was writing a lot of songs at the time and right. um, you know, playing keyboard and, and working on my kind of solo singer songwriter thing. Yeah. And you had a very established singer songwriter thing at the time. And so yep. it doesn't surprise me that neither of us really had the drive to do it. Right. Because we already had our own kind of project. We were, already, at the doing time. we're, we're like already doing
0: it. We were already doing it. Canadian Idol, but it actually was very cool. It and was very cool. So do you remember, um, you got to work with Deborah Bird, the vocal oh, coach. Oh yeah! Tell me what what your impression was of that, if you remember.
1: Well, I mean, I was nineteen years old when I did Canadian Idol, and I remember you were so young. I, I was, know. I was
0: twenty eight. I was like, wow. Crazy. When I
1: when I look back at pictures and and videos from the time, I still kind of have like baby cheeks and yeah. Um, no, but you were
0: cute. <laughs> I was cute. And you still Thanks, are, Keith. It's the same.
1: <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, Deb was. Uh, just like sassy and I just idolized her. I I remember thinking she was the real deal. And what I loved about her is, um, in a forum like Canadian Idol where, you know, ultimately the producers are trying to put together a marketable product. Yes. You know, and I, I recognize that I'm not, um, a very traditionally marketable person. You know, my vocal style is a little bit unconventional. I'm a little bit sassy and opinionated. And I love it. um, it's it's easy uh, for for uh, a machine like that to want to mold you into something specific. Totally. And what I loved about Deb is she saw me. She really saw me, like mm-hmm. for who I was and what I wanted and, and the kind of artist that I wanted to be. And she did not try at all to extinguish any of the things that made me quirky or weird. Wow. In fact, she really encouraged me to lean into those things. Right. And I remember being really grateful to her. Yeah. You know, she, I she, would I would do something that I was maybe a bit concerned was too much. And she'd be like, no, honey, that was
0: perfect. You do it just like that. She was so good at pushing those edges and like kind yeah. of rising you up. Yeah. To your best.
1: Yeah, totally. There's actually a clip of... Um, her and I working together, and uh, it's somewhere on YouTube or something. Mm. And I I sing my song for her, and afterward, when I finish, she looks at me and she pumps her fist in the air, like nailed it. Oh, yeah! It's just she's just a really powerful woman. She has incredible energy.
0: That's amazing. Yeah. So okay, just a little bit more on Idol, and then I want to move into what you're doing now too. Cool. It's, yeah, it's yeah, yeah. Amazing life you've. It's had.
1: it's a nice walk down memory lane. As I said, you know, I don't really talk about this stuff anymore because it's just a long time ago
0: well it's like we should be doing episodes on where are they now the idols because there's so many of us that are like up to all sorts of different things um just your impression so you're in the top 22 i think we got eliminated the same week i think we did from the show yeah it was right before the top 10 ish yeah yeah okay and do you remember that moment because i i still have that feeling of when they said they announced my name and i couldn't believe it i was like i'm off the show yeah. What was it like for well, you? And
1: I think what's interesting for both you and I yeah. is that we had had, um, for, for people that aren't familiar with the format of the show, there's a like a bottom three every right. week. The people that get the, th- the, the three people that get the lowest amount of votes are in the bottom three. And then, you know, a couple of those people get eliminated. Yeah. And <laughs> what was interesting about you and I is that the week that we got eliminated, neither of us. Um, had been in the bottom three before
0: I know that so that's it was true. a bit of
1: a shocker. I remember going into that elimination night, maybe like a bit overconfident i I had gotten some good <laughs> feedback from the judges. I'd never been in the bottom three um I thought I had like a decent performance and yeah same i I wasn't worried and so <laughs> when they when they eliminated me, I had this moment of like um Almost as if, like, it was an awards show and I forgot to prepare a speech. Like, I just right. wasn't ready.
0: I know. <laughs> they didn't make us sing our song, thank goodness. Yeah, could you imagine? <laughs> I know. They do that sometimes on yeah. those shows. I'm like, how mean is that? I you, know. You're off the show, but please sing us a song while you exit.
1: Well, while well, you're so emotional and choked up. <laughs> yeah, totally. Yeah, and uh, I... It was a very bizarre feeling because, as I said, you know, it was something I never wanted in the first place. Right. And how quickly something you didn't know you wanted becomes something you want.
0: I know. That was totally, that describes that well.
1: Uh, and and I remember, you know, my family was in the audience. Even I think a couple of of my extended family members from Florida had flown in for for the show. Oh, wow. And I remember hugging the judges after the show and thanking them. And, uh, a couple of them were in tears mm. and, and they just said, we're not quite sure what happened here. We're so sorry to see you go.
0: Meanwhile, some producer in the back room's like, ah, Nancy <laughs> and Keith <laughs> are out of <laughs> here. <laughs> that's, I don't know if that's true, but that's really funny. Wow. Um, so biggest takeaway from that experience for you, what was it?
1: Oh, hands down, without a shadow of a doubt, that experience proved to me that I never want to be famous
0: wow yes you know i had a very similar turning point in that moment too Mm -hmm. yeah it's like this this is what it would be like you get a little glimpse of like what it might be like to be famous and it's like not all it's cracked up to be
1: no i mean the the like 4 a.m wake up so that you could do a 5 a.m morning show yeah the you know the interviews for newspapers the photo shoots having to be camera ready all the time every time you leave your house right um which for men, I think, is a little bit different than for women. You know, with women, it's the full face you of makeup. the makeup, it's yeah. It's the thing. It's the hair. Totally. Um, you know, people interrupting you while you're eating dinner at a restaurant to ask you for your autograph, which on one hand is incredibly flattering, but on the other hand, it's like, let me eat my salad.
0: Yeah, totally. <laughs> Absolutely. And, Cameras uh, in your face all day. I remember they knocked on my hotel door one night and they were trying to like catch me in a moment where I was like stressed out and they were just filming till I answered the door. I was like, this is so weird. Like, yeah. Yeah. They'd set stuff up too sometimes. And it it just,
1: (laughs) it made me value my anonymity so much. Yes. And just be so grateful for the fact that nobody knows who I am and that I have the freedom to do whatever I want. Yeah. And to have privacy when I want it and to be out in public when I want it.
0: Yeah. It's really important.
1: And to like be able to walk my dog in my sweatpants.
0: Yeah. I love that. <laughs> you know? Exactly. I just
1: want to walk my dog in my sweats.
0: That's awesome. <laughs> so after the show, um, we kind of lost touch for, well, we were in touch for a bit, but then we kind of lost touch. Yeah. And then I walk into a yoga studio and you're teaching, and I think I knew this somewhere along the line, but what? how did that all come about for you? So
1: it's it's quite a, a convoluted uh, path, but- Cool. Um, <laughs> I want to hear about it. <laughs> I, so I was, I was performing uh, for many years after I graduated from Sheridan and, you know, having a fair amount of, of luck, a lot of people that go into music theater find it really, really hard to find work. And I was doing moderately well, you know, Mm -hmm. I was working maybe nine months out of the year, which, which which for a music theater performer is considered, you know, full time. Very, yeah. And, uh, I did a show, my final show was really, really hard for me and it was hard because it was the biggest role I'd ever gotten. And it was um it was the role of Missy in the Marvelous Wonderettes, oh wow. And I, for anyone that's familiar with the show, it's a four- person show. And the role that I was cast in, uh, the character has a four octave range, sings like twenty plus solos, and is on stage from start to finish. Mm. Never leaves the stage. So no water, no bathroom breaks, no, <laughs> nothing. Right? that's intense It's intense. and And what happened over the course of that show, is um, I, I learned that the lifestyle of, of a performer was not congruent with my spirit as a human being because what was happening is in order to be able to sing that four octave range mm. and perform to my highest standard every night because people were dropping a hundred bucks a ticket, right? Um, I had to basically live in a bubble You know, I couldn't stay up too late, but I couldn't, you know, wake up too early. I couldn't drink drinks that were too hot or too cold. I couldn't do too much exercise, but I couldn't do too little exercise. Very confining. Very confining. And I was also in my early 20s, you know, or maybe my, yeah, I I guess I was about 24 at the time. Mm. And I found that unless I did everything exactly right, I couldn't perform to a standard that I was happy with. Uh. And so that, for one, was incredibly stressful. And then on top of that, it was the um, adrenaline of going out on stage and getting the applause and feeling the energy from from the public, which I loved. And then you get off stage and suddenly that energetic force is gone and mm. you crash. I'm sure you know all about this. I do.
0: Yes. There's a total high from being on stage in that way. And then when it's gone, yeah. It's you like feel the, total... the
1: weight of the absence of that energy. Yeah. You know?
0: Totally have had that before.
1: And I was doing eight shows a week. And when I was on stage, it was incredibly high intensity because I was the lead. I was the girl, right? So what I found was over the course of that production, I was ill almost the entire time.
0: Like physically ill?
1: Like like antibiotics from start to finish. Wow. Throat infection, sinus infection. I had to take a full week off because my cords were so swollen. They were at the risk of hemorrhage. And I remember thinking, I've always wanted this role. I've always wanted to work at this theater. I've uh, you know, I'm I'm finally making good money. Yeah. I'm Everything you've been dreaming of is Everything I've been dreaming is of happening. is happening right now. Why am I crying every night? Why am I so sick? Like physically, my body was saying Nancy, stop. Wow. Yeah. And so huh. I I think in my heart, I knew that at the time. Looking back, I can see it very clearly. Yeah. Um, but I, I still really wanted to push. And I had an opportunity to move to London, England. So I moved to London. Uh, this is a very long-winded way of telling you how I became a yoga instructor. No, it's cool. But I'm I, really loving this.
0: Oh, cheers. So I,
1: I moved to London. And my intention was to work in the West End, to get an agent to work in the West End. And I was lucky that I was connected with an agent quite early on. And every time my agent would call me for an audition, my heart would sink into the pit of my stomach. I didn't want to go. How come? It's a bizarre reaction for someone that loves performing, isn't it? It is. It's so
0: counterintuitive. Like, what?
1: Yeah, it was just like, why don't I want to fight for this? And in the meantime, because I was in a new city and I didn't know anyone and I didn't have any money, Mm -hmm. um, I, I found a yoga studio. And I got a part-time job there so that I could get class for free. Wow. And I had already been practicing. My, my mom introduced me to yoga when I was 15. So it was already a part of my, my daily practice. And I started practicing at the studio. And I remember sitting in bed one day. I had just gotten off the phone with my agent who was telling me about some audition.
0: Mm.
1: And I remember thinking, the only time I'm happy is when I'm at the studio.
0: At the yoga studio? At the
1: yoga studio. It's the only time I feel good. I don't feel good when I'm at auditions. I don't feel good, you know, um, pursuing theater. I, I'm, I'm very sick from the whole thing. Yeah. But when I'm at the studio, I feel confident. I feel good about my body, which in the theater industry is, it's hard to feel good about your body. Yeah. And I felt good about the way I looked. I felt strong. I felt capable. I realized that I hadn't been sick in a couple of months since Whoa. I had stopped doing theater and started doing yoga on a regular basis. And I also felt an incredible sense of community at the yoga studio. And I, I, was, uh, I had an opportunity where the studio where I was working offered a teacher training. Oh, really? And I had taught dance growing up, and um, my boss said, if you can't afford the training, uh, I will t- I'll deduct it from your paychecks in installments so wow. that you can afford it. And so I had That's it handed amazing. to me on a silver platter that for, I could train to be a teacher in a way that was actually affordable, which as I'm sure you know, is really the the catch for most people because it's a big chunk of change up front.
0: It is, yes. I'm just really appreciating and blown away by how um, that path aligned for you. It almost feels like you had no choice. Well, you did have a choice, but it's like the fact that you got sick that your dream of being an actress and like on stage and all this, it just wasn't happening. And then all of a sudden you're just like moved into this yoga space mm. and, pulled into the teaching almost i mean you had a choice but it was like you were being does it did it feel like that to you like you were being it
1: felt guided very there? serendipitous yeah for sure yeah. so
0: i i mean we i've never i don't know much about your spiritual side of things what does is there any kind of what's your spiritual beliefs
1: um well i was raised jewish okay and you know i had a bat mitzvah and the whole thing i read from the torah um i speak hebrew in a very limited way okay um my family were reformed jews so my my kind of personal definition of reform is um, less observant in the more traditional way so we wouldn't keep kosher or go to synagogue on a very regular basis but we still observe all of the holidays okay and that's still true for me you know i love the holidays with my family my mom is a sensational cook and um you know, the holidays are really just an excuse for a whole bunch of Jews to get together and eat a lot. (laughs) And Um, the food is so good at those parties. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I, I don't, um, religiously, I don't feel particularly Jewish. Mm -hmm.
0: Um, what, what do you feel?
1: Spiritually, Spiritually. I, I feel, I believe really strongly in the force of energy. Mm. Um, I believe that, um, you know, I believe strongly in the law of attraction that what you put out is what you get back.
0: can see that clearly. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah.
1: Um, And also just that, you know, everyone has an energy and those energies are constantly colliding and intersecting. Um, I believe that there has to be something bigger than me. Uh If there wasn't, that would be a bit bleak, wouldn't it? Um, Well,
0: you're pretty amazing personality. (laughs) It's quite large. (laughs) It's wonderful.
1: But just, just an idea that there's a force greater than myself. Right. And, um, uh, you know, uh, it's, it's hard to, it's hard to explain. I, I believe a little bit in, you know, what I call ooga booga stuff. So like cr- <laughs> crystals and saging and, sure. and astrology. And my belief about it is I don't understand it, but if it's a thing that exists that people believe in, it means that someone smarter than me understands it.
0: So oh, there's yeah. gotta be something to it. Yeah, so there's some curiosity there. For sure. <clears throat> That's for so sure. interesting. So in the practice of teaching yoga now at the studio and stuff, um what's your perspective on that and how does it cross with spirituality for you or does it?
1: So I I spent um in I I did a a training in the Ashtanga primary series a few years ago in India and I spent a couple months living in India and I hmm. I it was such an incredibly transformative experience for me. It, it made me uncomfortable in so many ways. I mean... What I'm was just, uncomfortable? Oh, just, um, <laughs> you know, all of the Western comforts were gone.
0: Right. I've heard so, this.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So I was staying on an ashram in a very, very tiny village uh, called Rishikesh, which is uh, was made famous because that's where the Beatles wrote the White Album.
0: Oh, wow. Yeah. Nice. And it's it's a Maharishi. You know, yes, yes, yes. Cool. Yeah.
1: So oh. uh, it's... It's actually, uh, Rishikesh is the birthplace of yoga. It's where the uh, original yogic scriptures were claimed to have been found. Mm, cool. So it's a very sacred place, Yeah. but it's also incredibly third world. It's incredibly impoverished. And so, you know, you're washing your clothes in a bucket. Sometimes you don't have hot water. Sometimes you don't have electricity. Um. You know, there's no such thing as like insulation. Like what's outside is inside. Right. You know it's what I mean? It's just like
0: it, just all one big
1: Yeah. One big thing. thing. Um, if you're not living on an ashram, you're living under a tarp, you know, it, it, cows everywhere, dogs everywhere. Um, a, a lot of like little vendors on the side of the road kind of thing. Um, it, it was so surreal. I couldn't even imagine it in a movie. It was just the, the most surreal experience. And what I learned when I was there is there were, here are these people that live in this tiny village Mm -hmm. that's incredibly isolated, um, Northern India. So the, think the Himalayas like near Nepal and, um, they're so happy. They have nothing and they're so happy. And I remember speaking to my philosophy teacher in India and, um, he was complaining to me that his wife wanted to buy a clothes washer, a washing machine. Okay. And I was saying to him, Sunil, what's the problem? You're a wealthy man. Give your, <laughs> give your wife a break.
0: Give her and, a and buy washing a clothes machine. Washer. <laughs> Come on.
1: And, and he, he looked at me and he said, Nancy, why? We're doing just fine. We're doing fine washing our clothes by hand. Why do we need a washing machine? Wow. And it was such, um, think of the juxtaposition between that attitude and the, the Western attitude of like, I need the iPhone X because it's better than my iPhone 8. Right, you know, we're
0: so consumed with that right so now. So consumed, that's and then crazy. here's this man who's
1: hmm. the one of the wealthiest men in Rishikesh, and he doesn't even want to splurge on a clothes washer because why?
0: What's the point? Because What's the point. Well, and that's so that experience of being in two completely different places. I mean, raised in the Western culture, and then going over there to see that perspective. Mm-hmm. What do you believe now? Where are you at with this whole dynamic?
1: You know, I. I, I learned a lot about um, kind of minimalism while I was there. Mm-hmm. I have a lot less stuff mm. than I used to have. Wow. I I really, I learned while I was in India how easy it is to live with less and how uh, it actually simplifies your life in a really big way. Mm. So I, I try and kind of pare down as much as I can. I also, um, I, I became exposed to mantra practice while I was in India.
0: Explain that to so, mantra practice. So
1: mantra is, um, it's the repeating of uh, specific words and melodies over and over again. Okay. And it's all about, the, the beautiful thing about about these um, Sanskrit mantras is they were designed almost scientifically with the, um, the consonants and the vowel sounds that are used and also the pitches that are used to... Um, Create a specific frequency of vibration within the body when they're chanted.
0: Wow. So powerful.
1: Incredibly powerful and so when you when you chant, not only are you saying words that possess a powerful message, but you're creating a vibrational frequency in your body that has a very powerful outcome um, on a scientific level, on a cellular level, right you know, and <laughs> because I'm a big science geek, um for me, that like my brain just exploded when I learned about this practice, and it was my philosophy teacher Sunil that that exposed me to it because we would chant mantra at the beginning and end of every lesson. I mean, in India, they chant mantra constantly. They chant it before and after they eat. They chant it, um, you know, before and after asana practice. Uh, they, You would do it before and after um, a, a breath work practice or pranayama practice, before and after meditation, during meditation. Wow. Um, and so I learned all of these incredible mantras. And that's one of the biggest things that I've brought back with me is I chant mantra at the end of all of my classes. You do. Mm-hmm. And
0: so what's the effect? Like, what's the the main purpose of mantra? Like, why would people use that?
1: So the beautiful thing is there are all kinds of different mantras for different reasons. Okay. So there's one for um, clarity. Okay. For mental clarity. There's one for uh, health and healing. Wow, there's one uh, for uh, global uh, happiness and freedom.
0: And is it like just a sound, like a chanting type sound? That you're... so you would
1: say a phrase, you would say Let's a say. Sanskrit phrase, okay. and then there are certain melodies. Some mantras have multiple melodies.
0: So would this be like sort of like Deepak and Oprah when he comes on and he gives us a phrase that we have to say over and over? Sure, I don't yeah. know if you've heard that. Well, but... <laughs>
1: there are there are English mantras as well, right? Right, and I feel like that's the kind of stuff I'm seeing on your Instagram all the time. You know, the you... intentions. Yes, exactly. Okay. Exactly. So it's that, but it's coming from um, yogic scripture or Hindu scripture. And so it's in Sanskrit, which is um, kind of the precursor to Hindu that uh, it's an ancient language. Yeah. Um, kind of like Latin is to English. Wow. And um, these are, uh, ma- the mantras are, are traditions that have been passed down. We're talking 5,000 years plus.
0: So do you have a favorite right now that you're using? Yeah.
1: Um, I have a few favorites. Yeah, Wh- which yeah. one like
0: if for people listening that are like I want to incorporate mantra pa- practice into my life. I want to try this out. Like could you just give us one sample or what would you what would you um,
1: suggest? So there's there's one that I use uh well a a short one that I use a lot. It's uh it's the Ganesh mantra and it goes Om Gam Ganapataye Namaha. And you, you can sing it to a whole bunch of uh, different uh, melodies. But the meaning behind it is it's a mantra for the removal of obstacles. Okay. And what I love about it, what's so powerful about it, is it isn't, uh, it, it's not saying take this obstacle out of my path. Mm. It's saying give me the strength and the confidence and the wisdom to cope with the obstacle in my path. Oh, wow. And so it's all at once... Um, a mantra of acceptance and of empowerment.
0: Wow. Can you say it again just slower so we can... Om. Om. Gum Gam.
1: gam Ganapataye
0: Ganapataye. Namaha. Namaha. That's it. Okay. One more time so you can... If you're driving right now, we want you to try this <laughs> mantra to move into acceptance of the obstacles like the traffic jam in front yes. of you right now. Say it one more time. Om. Om. Gum. Gam.
1: gam Pataye.
0: Ganapataye Namaha, Namaha, yeah. I love it. Cool, hey. That's very cool, and I imagine as you become more intentional with what you're saying and feeling, it has even a greater effect. Yeah. On the like the sound vibration, and there's probably a melody that goes with that. At some. yeah,
1: well, there are many melodies. Okay. Um, wow. And then of course now there are all of these. Um, performers and artists that are emerging because yoga has become so commonplace. Yes, There are all of these artists that are emerging that are putting their own unique melodies to these these mantras. And the best part of a mantra is all you need to do to get it to work is to just say it.
0: How cool is that? And just on a whole other piece of this, why do you think that this um, emergence of yoga, meditation, mantras, it's becoming just so popular in the world? Mm -hmm. Why? Like, what's that all about?
1: I think, you know, I, I when I think about common Western culture, I it's it's this almost like this Fred Flintstone image of someone running down the hill and their feet are moving so fast and they're just kind of like tumbling down the hill, somersaulting because they can't catch up with the pace. Oh, yeah. And that's I, I've been feeling that in a big way in the last kind of five years or so that
0: fast paced
1: incredibly like. fast paced I, I think smartphones have a big thing to do with it because you're never alone mm-hmm. you're never alone you're never disconnected uh there's really no excuse for privacy because you're reachable at any moment and i think that people um, in order to find peace they need privacy they need moments of reflection of silence of introspection and you know what i love about the the practice of yoga is it doesn't need to be a spiritual practice to work. All you have to do is show up, do the shapes, breathe in and out. <laughs> Your teacher doesn't need to be inspirational. They don't need to be a guru on the top of a hill. Right. Um, the teacher is really just there to bring you safely in and out of the shapes. But, but as long as you're making the shapes and you're filling those shapes with breath, the, the impact of the practice is really just 60 minutes where nobody's texting you yeah. nobody is you know nobody's asking anything of you yeah um 60 minutes where it's impossible to be wrong mm-hmm. where <laughs> um you know your body is celebrated and and also i think a a big um there's a big disconnect right now between uh people and their containers you know i, I like to think about my body as my container
0: mmm Absolutely.
1: And and a lot of the practice of yoga for me is just getting to know my container, learning its boundaries, uh, you know, understanding how it moves, understanding how it feels. So, you know, actually like taking a minute to think, how do I feel today? What what could I what could I do in terms of my actions that could serve my container that could serve the way that I'm feeling? And, and how is my body giving me signals um, into my state of being? Wow. You know, what is my body teaching me about my state of being and, and maybe what could serve me in this moment, right?
0: Oh, I love it.
1: Um, and, and, but that's what's missing. That's why people are having nervous breakdowns. That's why the suicide rate is so high, is, right. is because, you know, we're, we're on this treadmill running F- Fred Flintstone style. And at no point are we checking in to see what's going on, to see what our body needs, to see what our minds need yeah. to take care of ourselves.
0: Absolutely. So, you know? yoga, mantra,
1: yeah, and well, in Breathe. in the in the practice of yoga, it's like you have permission to take care of yourself for sixty minutes. It's all Beautiful. about you. It's all about you know. In a world of output, it's about input.
0: Right. You know, filling yourself up. Yeah. Oh man, I'm just like so appreciating how you start one place and you arrive here now, and yeah. and the melding of the two, especially around this mantra work you're doing, mm. but also the performer it takes to get up in front of a class and teach. Yes. But like all the skills that you've learned through art school arrive now here in this like deeper more meaningful way it's just like you're such an inspiration
1: oh thank you. well that's very it's kind really cool um, I I do feel that my experience as a performer um, is what makes me an effective teacher
0: yeah for sure yeah. I just love it. I we're getting close to the end here. No, but I know I could. I we need to chat like weekly. I know. Can we can we go for a
1: coffee and continue this conversation? I think we
0: really should. We just keep recording. We'll walk around with these headphones on (laughs) (laughs) because, man, I know that people listening. This is this is inspiring. We got Nancy Silverman. It's so cool. Um, I just two questions. One is if people want to come to a class of yours and experience some of this firsthand. Where, where can they find you?
1: Uh, so they can head to my website, nancysilverman.com. Okay. And I always keep an updated schedule of where I am and when. And I also teach uh, do-it-yourself kombucha workshops, teaching people how to make kombucha at home. Wow. And the information for where and when those workshops are happening um, is also on my website.
0: NancySilverman.com. You answered all my questions. Amazing. Right, is your yoga schedule there too?
1: Yes, it's all there.
0: Oh, that's awesome. You guys check out Nancy. She's based in Toronto, Ontario, Canada. Oh, it's even worth a flight on a stopover to Nashville to come and take a class and just <laughs> hang out with her. So uh, thanks for being here. Keith, it's
1: been a real pleasure. It's so, so great to see you.
0: It's like a Canadian Idol reunion.
1: Yeah. It makes me like, makes my heart warm. I love it.
0: Thanks for being here. <laughs> you got it. All right. Well, that was Nancy Silverman and man, does she ever have just awesome energy. I hope you get to check out one of her yoga classes one of these days. It is phenomenal. She's uh, a force to be reckoned with, that one. So uh, thank you again for tuning in this week. I hope you have a wonderful week ahead. And please, remember to stay in touch. Send me your ideas for guests. Check out the online course coming up. And remember to stay connected, everyone. Take care.